Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Decoding Society. This is your host, D'Angelo Starnes. Today is Sunday, August 5th, 2018, and I'm joined by our co-host, Christopher Cathcart from the Left Coast. What's up, brother? This is D'Angelo Starnes. They are joined into the Decoding Society. I'm not sure if you heard my intro. Chris, can you hear me? Okay. Call back in, brother. In any event, uh, on today's show, we're going to be covering uh, the latest incident at the White House involving the black pastors uh, who met with Donald Trump. Um, We'll talk also about the uh, NFL's Hall of Fame game and uh, and uh, R.I.P. Chris, you there, brother? I, I was here a minute ago. I hope you can hear me now. Okay, yeah. D'Angelo. Yeah, I can hear you. All right, all right then. Let's go. I was. I, all right. Like I said, the man's just trying to keep us down because I, I the technology. We it's, somebody's coming in there and throwing a, a curveball at us. Yeah, we, we've been having these little hiccups at the beginning, and, you know, you never know. Folks tune in to something new or whatever, and, um, you know, and it's, it's sounding raggedy. And we, we don't – both Chris and I are professionals and so, uh, in, in our other lives, and so we try to be professional with this podcast. Um, so in any event, uh, we'll, we'll run down the latest coon vacation at the White House, the Hall of Fame speeches, and RIP to Ron Dellums. But I want to start with an important topic, and we've kind of alluded to uh, how technology uh, is being used not so much as a liberating and expansive factor, but uh, somewhat as a, a controlling and oppressive factor. Uh, Fact um, uh, um, mechanism, and it's being used by these tech giants. And these tech, when we say tech giants, uh, we're not speaking about you know, merely a, a rich company, but it, you know, a, a, a company that's a conglomerate and whose influence is felt uh, in the uh, private uh, financial markets, uh, in the markets in which it uh, plays and uh, more importantly, uh, with the government. And so uh, some of these tech giants that we allude to when we talk about that are Amazon, Google, which is uh, its company name is Alphabet, and Facebook. And there was a recent story uh, that came out in Politico and other publications that uh, spoke about uh, Facebook's uh, recent scrubbing of uh, deleting uh, 30 accounts um, that, in Facebook's words, sought to inflame uh, social and political tensions in the United States and then connected it to this continued theme of Russian meddling, and this time with the upcoming 2018 elections. And uh, so that is somewhat alarming 
uh, I, I think uh, the fact that Alex Jones of InfoWars was the most notorious of those accounts uh, that was at least suspended, um, you know, some folks applauded that, that, that there's actually a bigger play here in our estimation, you know, at least in mine. And um, Matt Taibbi uh, of the Rolling Stone as uh, a Good political and financial, yeah, great writer. Uh, recently wrote an article um, that was entitled Beware the Slippery Slope of Facebook Censorship, uh, subtitled The Social Network is Too Big and Broken to Properly Function, and these, quote, fixes will only create more problems. Um, and so I'll read his opening uh, paragraph, and then we'll, Chris and I will dive in. Uh, he says, quote, you may have seen a story this week detailing how Facebook shut down a series of accounts, as noted by Politico, the article I just referenced, a Facebook claimed these accounts sought to inflame social and political tensions in the United States and said their activity was similar and in some cases connected to that of the Russian accounts during the 2016 election. Similar. What does similar mean? And then he goes down, and, and then, you know, he kind of dives into terminology and and. and, and and so we'll talk about that some more in a minute. But I want to get to this uh, this last part of his article um, that provides fodder for what Chris and I will be talking about. Quote, now at a moment of crisis and high political tension, the public seems unable to grasp the gravity of allowing the government or anyone else to use that power, the power that uh, the censor power. It is already a scandal that these de facto private media regulators have secret algorithmic processes that push down some news organizations in favor of others. Witness the complaints by outlets like Alternate, TruthDig, and others that big platforms have been de-emphasizing alternative sites in the name of combating fake news. But this week's revelation is worse. When Facebook works with the government and wannabe star, star chamber organizations like the Atlantic Council to delete sites on national security grounds using secret methodology, it opens the door to nightmare possibilities that you'd find in dystopian novels. The sheer market power of these companies over information flow has always been the real threat. This is why breaking them up should have long ago become a, an urgent national priority. And so uh, if you look at, uh, if you read both uh, Matt Taibbi's uh, account, uh, his criticism or critique of this move and the political argue, article, uh, you'll notice that uh, some of the 30 accounts, uh, some of those were, uh, were connected to um, black uh, activism uh, one, they, they are uh, targeting um, hashtags, uh, one of which was abolish ICE. Uh, and so, as you can see, uh, you know, maybe a lunatic like Alex Jones, people, you know, yeah, we need him off the air, so to speak. Um, but then, you know, then you get this conflation with, uh, you know, other uh, uh, organizations and, and efforts of activism. And so, Chris, uh, Brother Chris, I wanted to uh, have you dive in and offer your thoughts as we uh, work through this issue. Well, man, I uh, I mean, it, it's 
Frankenstein is out of the castle and into the woods now with the internet. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, it's, I mean, with 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 all the great things that that come that came with the internet that comes with the internet, there are things that aren't good. And the idea of censorship on any level um, bothers me. But this argument, we're going to have to have this argument back and forth. Because you use the Alex Jones case. I think one of the issues where, where he went astray, too, is he published some of the addresses of the families of the victims from Sandy Hook. Is that right? I believe I read that. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're right. You're right. I had muted myself. I didn't want folks to hear me drinking. Oh, oh. Well, I, I know. <laughs> Sorry. So, no, so that, to me, is a problem and should be police. Now, does he have the right to spew his foolishness? Outside of putting people's lives in jeopardy and danger, I would say yes. You know, we have to make a distinction between news and information. They're not necessarily the same thing, um, mm. particularly as we address them constitutionally. You know, as, as the, the, the the internet, and I I, I really like when I read uh, Taibbi's piece because you know I never really thought about that, but how when internet when Google and Facebook were first established, how the government basically said. You know, they're not necessarily news outlets. They're not like a magazine, a newspaper, they're like a newsstand, which put it mm-hmm. in perspective where you could go yourself and decide what you wanted to read or not read. And in that context, you know, that's fine. And there's going to be things on there that aren't going to be good and aren't going to be nice. But if you and I go to a newsstand, we don't look at everything. We go to the things that we like or we're interested in. So, so, so to come down and say, okay, in that context, there's certain magazines and newspapers because we've decided aren't good for you we're going to remove them so now you have we've decided you know what options you have and don't have that bothers me to a great extent and i don't think people think about it in that regard so will you stand up for information not news but information that you disagree with but having the right that it can be shared then i i would say yes and i don't i don't the whole and we can use the word collusion and it's even more troublesome when you talk about the government working hand in hand with some of these outlets then that that is a recipe for um very bad things to happen and things that we as as consumers won't necessarily be aware of and that bothers me right um i like your um uh, distinction between information and news and 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 i you Kind of drove home a point that I was trying to make because uh, when um, I do get in discussions and, and you know debates, arguments about you know uh, the narrow spectrum of information that is passed off as the news in quote mainstream, uh, you know people will push back with the notion that well you know that particular current event about what we're talking about is news. And so uh, so it's like, well, it's news, but you're not giving enough information. So I really like what you said uh, when you make that distinction. I think we should uh, continue to drive that point home uh, as we work through this. And, and, and I, I, you know, the, the danger here that, you know, that uh, I think a lot of people are missing is, as you pointed out, uh, and as the articles point out, is how uh, you know this note, these loaded terms that are used, and so how uh, you get this conflation um, with well, uh, because this is sowing politically political tensions and, 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 
and, and, and social divisiveness or divisiveness, uh, then, you know, that's something we need to suppress because, you know, we're, you know, we got an election coming up, for instance. And, and so, you know, now it, it presents a chilling effect on folks who um, want to tell you that, okay, well, you may have watched that CNN report on, you know, fill in the blank story, but here was what was missing. Or here's a, a disclosure. Here's a disclosure they didn't make about those people that were opining on that on that uh, particular topic. And then, uh, so so now, once again, you know, it's a means of social uh, engineering and and uh, thought control. And I know those terms sound dystopian in and of themselves, but it's an actuality. Uh, if you you know if 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 what you think you're getting is the full story, and and then uh, and then for someone to say something that's either contrary to that, or um, is outside of what you've heard on those on those uh, dominant outlets, uh, then you think a it's crazy. But now with this new conflation, for instance, of Russian, uh, then you know it discredits you, and and, and folks are being uh, being you know disinformed and misinformed. I mean, um, but this is really also a byproduct of the fact that recent, when I say recent, I mean over the last few decades, um, two, two decades in particular, the conflation between um, opinion and news, where we now, yeah. we, there, was a, there was a time, like when we were kids, you turn on evening news, there was no 24-hour news networks, and you turn on evening news, I lived in New, New Jersey, so we turn on evening news, you get a half hour of local news, and you get Walter Cronkite for national news. And you would essentially able to essentially say there was a robbery at 10th and Lennox and two people were shot and killed. That was news. It was not up for interpretation. It was that's what happened. You need to know. Then you get like they have to do that fair, you know, the, 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 the commentary part, and they would, they would label it as such. You know, and they would even say afterwards that the, the views and opinions expressed by this individual do not necessarily reflect that of this network. Remember that? Uh-huh. But now, yeah. Yeah. but now, what has happened when? And that was a time when news wasn't necessarily a profit generating wing of networks; it was a public service. But when it grew into a, a, a profit generating wing of the major news—not just the news companies, but the parent companies that owned them—then then the lines between what was hard factual news and update information that you need to know to be an informed citizen and what was opinionated ideas about things that were happening to get you to think a certain way, they became one. So now when I read Mike Taibbi's piece, it was like, what was the percentage of Americans who get their news from Google and Facebook? It was like 60-something percent? 70%. Something crazy like 70, that? 70, 70, 70. 70 percent? So just, and if you think about the fact that it's not really news, but it's some person's what they would consider their informed opinion about left, right, and center issues, but we interpret that as news, um, that's, what, that's what has brought us to this point where we now conflate these things. So we, we don't have a distinction. I just watched uh, one of the uh, morning talk shows, and, and it, you know, it's all opinion. And then I watched the Jake Tapper show, which is on CNN, and you get a little tiny bit of news, but the whole hour was basically people talking about what they believed, what they thought in the context of news. And so there are a lot of people out there who go to Facebook and Google to reaffirm ideas they already have under the belief that they're getting news when they're really just getting 
people's interpretation and impressions what they want the news to be. And I think that that's manifests itself of where we are here with this whole Facebook thing. What I don't, I don't think you should be on any kind of medium and misrepresent yourself. So if you go on there and you pretend to be something, someone you're not to get people to do a certain thing, if Facebook can police that, I got no problem with that. But I don't think that people who have legitimate viewpoints or information they want to share should be um, – that should be something that Facebook, along with the government, can decide what is and what isn't appropriate. And, that, and, and I don't know where this goes because this is an evolving reality. I mean, that's where we are. Everything's happening in real time. You know, the tires are spinning continuously. So we, we are finding out how to deal with this as we move forward with this. So you know, we'll probably be talking about this on this show and many others for quite a while. Absolutely. Um, and to, to your point about, um, you know, to what, what Facebook polices, I think the issue, and, and I, you know, as a concept, I don't have a problem with that. The issue is, that you know, how do you make those determinations? I mean, because you know, and who, and what, and what regulations uh, uh, make uh, you know uh, are in place to to um, to to, reg- to regulate uh, to to provide parameters or some kind of guideline as to how that goes down, and then how do we participate? And what that is, because you know, again, yeah. you you have, if you have somebody saying that, well, you know, the latest Black Lives Matter rally is, you know, influenced by Russian, you know, Russian by the Kremlin, you know, or abolish ICE is a Kremlin idea, uh, and Facebook says, yeah, I think I agree with that. that I mean, that's a problem. I, you know, you're right. People shouldn't be misrepresenting themselves. Uh, misleading information, disinformation, and, you know, we could really expand that and extend that to what we get on the, quote, you know, mainstream news, and that in and of itself is kind of a, 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 you know, a a term that's not, you know, tied to reality, but for for reference point. Uh, So... So that, that to me, is the problem. Who's making this decision, and what what is... what are their uh, criteria yeah. for for making those decisions? And and so, you know, and then you know, because folks like this podcast and folks like us, you know, then you know, we're going to have our, our 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 accounts suspended. You know, and speaking of being suspended, and this kind of leads into the next topic because I, I didn't realize how much time we spent on this one. Uh, I had gotten a note from Facebook once. Uh, on my string of coon watch uh, uh, posts <laughs> when I was doing coon of the year would get got real popular, bro. And so you know I was responding to to folks, and then it said, uh, "You, this is uh, not this is an inauthentic account. We think you're you know essentially saying we think you're a bot." Da, 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 and so we're shutting this down. And so I had to, and, and then to, to that credit. They said, you know, if you disagree with this, uh, you can, you know, appeal it or I forgot what the word was, you know. And so I did. I said, well, I don't know what this is, da 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 da. And they, you know, reactivated it, but they had shut it down for a second. Um, oh, so I, wow. you know, again, I, 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 yeah. I take my hat off. Yeah, they froze. That, to distinguish <laughs> yourself like that, that's, that's, that's impressive, man. <laughs> I, you're right. I should take that as a badge of honor, but it was 
it was at a point where it was, you know, it was getting some runs, so I didn't want it. I didn't want it to stop, and I, so anyway. Uh, so back, so you know, one of the so we talk about codes on this program, and we don't mean it in we mean it in a political sense of again behavior control, and and so we talk about black folks that are say things or used to distract you or to uh, create an illusion and. You know, to us, coons, you know, black folks, white people know what coons are. They act like they don't. Black people definitely know what they are. <laughs> and, and we know that they're being used. And so, you know, one way that you get a, a, a black person off their activist is, you know, you, you, you put your display on TV, you know, or, or you know, some, and prominently the, these, these coons, they distract us with coons and religion. And so we had a perfect storm of that this past week up in the White House when a group of black pastors met with Trump, uh, and, you know, as we did a play on it, and we called it, instead of a convocation, a convocation, and, you know, it's this brother, Daryl Scott, once again calling uh, Donald Trump a, uh, a uh, the most pro-black president in, in, in the history of the United States. Now, we all know that's bullshit, but you dime in on why is that so I mean, prominent? That, right that, now? You know, my thing on that is, first of all, by way of full disclosure, the brother that was sitting to Trump's right is John Gray. I actually did some work with him um, a few years ago. Okay. But he, actually, Class uh, had a record label. Uh, Glenn Richardson had a record label, and John Gray was it was a gospel record label. And John Gray was an artist on it, so I did some consulting on the label. So I want to put that out there by way of full disclosure. I know I haven't talked to John in years. Nice enough cat, so. Um, this is not a personal attack, but the the a couple of really quick things. The the idea that you would let yourselves be pimped and taken into that room to be photographed mm-hmm. with Trump for no other reason but to satisfy his need to say he did something for Negroes, you should know better than that. The idea, and this one really bothers me, every time they talk about Trump and black folks, they say, but look at the jobs, look at the economy. And it's my mm-hmm. thing is this, it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like if, if black folk have a job, right, then everything else that's going on, they should be cool with because you got a job. So it's like black folk get a ball to play with and white folk get an amusement park. They got all kind of stuff going on. But if we just got a ball, then we should shut up and be quiet. So this whole thing, what's that brother's name, Daryl Scott, Daryl Hicks? The, the, Daryl Scott. Past, he's, Darryl he's, been, Scott. Dude, he's, been, he's been down with Trump through the campaign. So I, I at least give him props on consistency. He didn't just hop on board recently. He, I remember seeing some of the foolish things he was saying during the campaign. My point is that I, I applaud the ass to the White House. I applaud the LeBron and uh, Steph and all, Steph Curry and all these guys who like, no, I'm not going there to be used as a prop for him. You can make your points. Those pastors didn't have to go to talk about prison reform with him because he's not committed to prison reform. He's not committed to anything, anything other than what satisfies him and props him up. So what did you call it? Like, right. What was your word for that meeting? Convocation. Convocation. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, that, that, that so uh, if you, I read the transcript and they, they never got into prison reform. They just talked about it. I mean, they just used the term. Well, we want to thank you for your efforts towards prison reform. And if you read the transcript, Trump all but said 
I haven't really done anything about that. I can't get anything that he he kind of you know said. Well, Dude, he yeah, I'm bro, with it, but listen, he couldn't speak to it. Now, now we gotta we gotta we gotta we gotta give some room here because presidents of HBCUs went and met with Trump. You remember that? Our president. Oh yeah, uh-huh. I think Frederick is one. Yeah. So yeah, he did. Am yeah. I gonna? I, I so if you've got members of the Congressional Black Caucus who have a meet with Trump, I got no problem with that because I believe they're going to yeah. go in there and, and speak truth to power and discuss issues. Now it, it may not get anywhere, so I'm not going to label that meeting. I'm not going to say in mass, black or black groups, black individuals, black organizations, people of color in, in general, that that they shouldn't take these type of meetings and try to you know um, agitate for things that are going to prove some situation here or there. But you have to know when you're being used. And I remember some of the president's mm-hmm. HBCUs caught some heat for going at all, and that's when he first got in there. I just, I just can't believe that this – and then I was listening to my man was saying he's the most pro-black president in history or something like that. They, I, ha, I, I have to believe there were some of those pastors that really regretted that decision to be put in that photo op. And I hope it's just illustrative for other people moving forward that you have to be very, very concerned if and how you're invited to the White House to meet with this guy. Whether you know it could be another, right. you know, it, and it, and it, and if we and if we're going to be looking at our athletes, right? And I got no problem with them doing it, but they're going to be the standard bearer for how you actually conduct yourself by going and not going to the White House, and then the other categories in our community aren't meeting them at that level. That's sad commentary, man. Yeah, so so, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish your point. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Well, you know, I agree with you uh, that you know to hurl stones at the notion of going to the White House is is really short sighted, and I didn't fault the HBCU presidents for doing that, making that effort. The fact that it turned into a photo op is an issue, and that's not on them. And it's the same with, you know, at the CBC. You have to go and engage. And, you know, even if you're in a war, I mean, the, 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 if you're in a war, there's at some point there's fighting and then there's diplomacy. And so then the diplomacy is you got to talk to whoever to see if there's some way we can work out, you know, some kind of a truce, a deal, way to move forward yeah. together. Um, and so that's, that to me, you know, you got to do that. The folks to reflexively say that you can't meet with this dude are, are not are missing the point. Um, but like you said, it can't be I'm going there for a photo op, and it can't be when you get there. And, and you have to be, you have to be and listen. A lot of these pastors, all, I don't I don't know this. I like I said, I mentioned John Grant by way of full disclosure because I I at least met him. Some of the other ones I heard about, so I can't speak to the individual persons. But I know there are people who look at what, what benefits them personally is being paramount. And then the other things fall in the secondary level. And with all due respect, we have business leaders and religious leaders who will put person over people, their person yeah. over the people they say they represent. So if you are going there and you know it's an opportunity for you to raise yourself in some stature individually, then that's a problem. Then you should be called out, yeah. cool and otherwise. But if you go there to yeah. engage, like I said, if if the leaders of the CBC, go, go up there and, and put your flag down. Um, if we yeah. got some union leaders that had to go, go and make your argument. If you're going to meet with other um, cabinet members, go and make your argument. But you have to know the distinction between you going up there to speak truth to power 
to affect some kind of change, and you being paraded in front of the cameras just so somebody can say, okay, I can check this box off now. That's the difference. And that's what the athletes aren't letting happen. They're not allowing that to happen. So, you know, like you said, you know, you, you engage with your enemies all the time. You're supposed to, but you have to do it in terms and in ways that don't compromise where, what position you've taken and don't diminish the views you have. Right. Right. And, and the fact that you've done it and it didn't get, it, get you anywhere, it doesn't diminish the, the attempt to, to try and, you know, get, get somewhere with it. So, um, anyway, let's move on. So, speaking of athletes, uh, we had the Hall of Fame, NFL Hall of Fame yesterday. I continue to have my issues with some of these selections. Um, but, you know, they're in. So, what can I say about but the, but 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 but, but bro, I mean you know and now we're getting before we get to Ron Dell's a little bit lighthearted part, um, you know back to religion, <laughs> and athletes, you know I'm sorry man, I started tuning out when you know cats got up there and it was like church, and I understand that that's what got you there, but <laughs> I mean. I mean, Brian Dawkins, I did like I do with the national anthem. You know, I muted it and waited to see, you know, once, <laughs> where we're going to get to somewhere where I could, you know, deal with it. And Ray Lewis, I completely turned it off. When I saw him step out in that purple shit and, you know, he had the microphone wrapped around his his head, with, you know, and he had fresh, he was freshly sprayed with that shit that they spray on the hides of, Male pattern baldness. I, I, I tuned out, man. Uh, <laughs> man, you're killing me today, dude. <laughs> but, 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 okay, so this religion is, but, you know, one of the things that, um, I, I you know, I did, uh, I don't know if you watched it, I did like uh, uh, the old, I, I like some of the older guys when they finally get there. Uh, you know, when they finally get inducted. And I, I did like um, you know, some of what, you know, I like what Robert Brazil was talking about, and I like what Jerry Kramer, I took away a couple of things from Jerry Kramer's speech, uh, one of which was a, a line his, um, one of his high school coaches told him and said, um, you, uh, you can if you will, um, is what, you know, coach was, he was having some problems, um, playing a new position, and the coach was getting on him, and he was he was feeling down on himself, and so the coach said, "Son, you can if you will," and and I kind of think I'm going to use that as a new thing, and um, and also I did agree somewhat with Terrell Owens's point about the writers, um, and you know them having their own agenda and not. Uh, selecting folks based on what the the rules and regulations are or the criteria were for, you know, Hall of Fame selections. You know, they have a tendency to, uh, you know, take out their grudges against these athletes when it's time to vote them in. Why the writers – go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, 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 I've always – it's always been curious to me that writers play such an outsized role in this process. Um. So they, you know, they, they they bring their own biases and favoritisms and grudges. Um, yeah, 
I, you know, I don't. I, honestly speaking, I I I saw some of Brian Dawkins' speech just because I was flipping around. I don't really pay that much attention to the um, Hall of Fame inductions anymore. I, I I see the list of the players, and I go, okay, most of those cats probably deserve to be in there. Some probably should have gotten there sooner. I can't believe some are first ballots, but uh, I saw that Randy Moss wore the names of some of the police shooting victims. I thought that was powerful, and he didn't, he didn't yeah. really have to say anything. That to me, that that was uh, the highlight. That I that I read about and saw that what he did, but I don't I, I don't know. Maybe just my ambivalence toward the NFL overall right now because of all this stuff that's swirling around. I, I I'm happy for those cats, but you know I I ain't launching no wars in defense of this that or the other thing. Uh, hey, look, but okay, so you 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 dovetail right where I wanted to go with that. I don't remember any of them cats saying anything about your man Colin. I uh, mean, Randy Moss. Yeah, I mean Randy Moss with his his tie of the I mean with his tie with the names of the victims on it did a colon like uh, uh, statement by doing that. But I, you know, I mean, that, again, you know, it's back to you know using your platform to engage. And sometimes, you know, if these brothers can get out, I, I, and you know, and I'm sure you know everybody got their own thing, and that's fine. But these brothers can get up there and. And talk about their church, you know. Don't forget about and, you know, and they talk about some of their humble beginnings. But you know, don't forget about cats that you know are being shut out, cats that are experiencing medical issues. Um, use the opportunity to kind of bullhorn it a little bit too, you know, in terms of labor and, and, that, and that, politics. That's what, that, that's what we kind of been wanting the athletes to do. I mean, if you in the mode of the Ali's and the, you know, John Carlos and Tommy Smith and the Jackie Robinsons and people like that. But I mean, some are going to do it and some aren't. So I, I, you know, I, I've come to, when it comes to athletes, I, I, I guess my expectations are so low now <laughs> that I'm like, yeah. if you, the Randy Moss wearing the tie I thought was powerful, but this happened in the same context when you got LeBron, in an open war with the president of the United States. Now, maybe because LeBron is such a huge figure, outsized figure, it can, can take that that kind of stand without paying the price with, say, endorsers with the team. The Lakers aren't going to find him at all for what he's doing, obviously. But um, it shouldn't just be him. You know, they, they, they could have used some opportunity, like you said, to say some things about Kaepernick and say some things about concussions and things like that. But I didn't, you know, I'm probably going to go back and watch some of the speeches. I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it. I, like I said, I saw the list. I was the Terrell Owens thing because he loves him some him. That made sense to me about him doing his own thing. Right. <laughs> he, held, he held the form. And I, I, and to your point about the writers, I guess, and that's, that's across sports. There are other sports where writers have that kind of vote and veto for who gets in and who doesn't get in. Um, maybe one day that has to be addressed. Yeah, they ain't played no ball. Half them dudes ain't played no ball. They ain't played ball since high school. You know, and it kind of, you know, kind of kills me. Um, you know, that, that to the extent that they're speaking to coaches about what the, you know, and players about what's going on on the field. You know, that's stenography. But you know, how does that give you a uh, qualification to know what a guy does in terms of preparation and what? it means to to be able to achieve something, um, you know, above and beyond and stand out uh, just because, you know, they're glorified fans in many instances. And so, 
you know, let's do some fan voting uh, while we're at it. But uh, we're, we're, yeah, kind of, we're running. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I, I was saying that I said no, that 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 has to be addressed, and maybe fans can have a, some saying that at some point. Yeah, I, I don't see why they shouldn't. So, uh, so let's let's uh, we would be remiss if we didn't uh, to, to speak on uh, a mighty oak that fell this this week. Uh, Ron Dellums uh, passed away on uh, I think it was earlier. Was that Monday? Monday or Tuesday that he passed away. Uh, Ron, Ron Dellums, um, former congressman, uh, one of the uh, what is he one of the founding members of the Congressional Black Caucus? Founding members of the Congressional Black Caucus, Mayor of Oakland, um, uh, former chair of the House Armed Services Committee. Uh, and uh, he's from, and he's, he represented Oakland and Barbara Lee, who's, you know, I have to say, carried into his footsteps in Congress uh, very well. Um, so, you know, let's dime in on that because, I mean, you know, when we was, you know, I know we talk about our time at Howard, but, you know, I mean, it was powerful. So when we was at Howard, you know, Ron Dellums was, 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 was doing oh, it. Oh, dude, so. he, he, Go he ahead, bro. listen, man, uh, no, I'm there's so much to chop up with him, but his stance, his anti-apartheid stance. I mean, he he led, he led the charge on that from from yep. Capitol Hill. I mean, he introduced the uh, Comprehensive Anti-Apartheid Act in '86 that Reagan vetoed. That that was then over. The veto was overridden by the House and Senate, uh, Democratic-controlled House, I think, Republican-controlled Senate. And I was reading that was the first override of a presidential foreign policy veto in the 20th century. The 20th century, mm. and Ron and Ron Ron, Ron Dellums was was an advocate, um, an anti-apartheid advocate, oftentimes by himself, not just in Capitol. Right. I had the I had the I had the good fortune um, to meet him once at the CBC. I mean, just in passing. I think I was talking to a brother, and he walked up, and he knew the brother I was talking to, and the brother introduced me to him. There's this thing about certain people that just make you stand up straighter when you're in their presence. You just feel yourself standing up straighter, you know, just, just, and he had that. And I remember seeing him and I had so much respect for him and he was, you know, he, you know, had genuine conversation, but I just felt like, you know, okay, I need to get on my A game when I'm around this brother. And I, you just, you know, we, we got so many politicians now, you know, they can't wait to get on TV and they, you know, they, they're running around and, get, you know, God bless them. They're doing what they do. But there were certain people, man, who walked it and talked it and held it down, and, and Ron Dellums did. And and I, I hope that we have more leaders that follow the, his example as elected officials. Well, I hope that's what is passing, you know, kind of woke people uh, or some of these, uh, you know, new wave of progressive candidates in particular, uh, wake them up to that. To, to his example Because I mean you know uh, So like you said You know so you know he's lone voice Just like and then like I said a successor Barbara Lee lone voice against the wars And and Ron Dellums is how As chair of the house armed services Committee is opposing Military spending I mean How often do we get that where You know we right now we're getting Democrats bipartisan as they Say support for Increased uh, military budgets. You know, military budgets got increased by eighty billion dollars. Eighty billion dollars 
increase by itself more than this quote enemy Russia spends on its entire military budget. That was the United States increase. But back in the day, Ron Dones was like, "What the hell are we spending money on? We were doing Cold War in Africa for what? Well, yo, B two, what was that? That, that was that the B two stealth bomber or something? There was a bomber that they was about to spend a bunch of money on. And, and it, he was it, like, it no, what are you talking about? Huh? It was one of those things. So you would, you, it don't matter what the exact title was. It was one of those things. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we got so many of these bombers now. You lose track. Um, uh, you know, I mean, I think he uh, when when Bush wanted to go into Kuwait, his brother man went to the court, went to court over there. That's the kind of re- not just black representation. That's the kind of representation we need from progressives. Period. That's the kind of. Uh, 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 you know, to the extent that folks talk about Democrat versus Republican and, and having two parties as opposed to two wings of the same party, that's the example of uh, an opposition voice that that you know, like I said, a lot of these younger politicians they can learn from Ron Dellum's uh, example. You um, know, like you go ahead. No, no, I mean, I, like, listen, we can go on and on. I mean, the brother was basically was introducing anti-apartheid legislation in the early 70s, too, way before it became in vogue. So yeah. that, along with all the other things you said, we lost a giant. And I, I, I just hope people, particularly younger people who, you know, do, you know, getting out of high school, getting out of college over the last few years, I hope they, they take a moment and read about him and, and learn about the contributions that he made and the impact he had. Um, you know, the Adam Clay Powell type of impact and Ron Dellum's type of impact. Yeah. Um, these things can't be, I don't think they get enough notice and they don't get enough study. Um, we get so caught up in the now that we forget that the road to where a lot of these people are were paid by people like Ron Dellum. So I always have much respect for that brother. He's a terrible loss, but I'm glad he lived. And I'm very glad that he lived during my lifetime so I could see that kind of example. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's a good way to end today's program, man. Uh, any last words besides that? No, no, brother. I, that, it was a good show, and I, I, I'll leave it on Ron Dellums. He deserves to be the last word as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, and uh, if you'll be so kind as to leave us a rating and a review, we'd much appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate the feedback we have gotten offline from some of the folks that have uh, taken the time to listen to our show. Uh, hopefully we'll get more feedback, uh, more public feedback. Uh, until the next time, Brother Chris, thank you so much, and take care. Thank you, Dave. Had a good time. All right. Take care. Talk soon.